0: Hello friends, so this episode is an interview with my friend Kelly Curry, who had a very interesting experience, well is undergoing a very interesting experience, which she was very open and vulnerable in sharing with us, so I thank her immensely for the wisdom and the the openness that she showed while we were interviewing her. And in this interview, you may hear some background noise. Um, Usually, Alessandra and I are pretty diligent about trying to keep the background noise um, down as much as we can. And we've mentioned before that we um, do our recordings in our closets. She's in Sweden recording in her closet, and I am in America. And and the reason that we do that is just that it really helps keep the sound sound. kind of crisp Um, so that's just sort of a little trick that many podcasters do Um, but as Kelly was joining me live for the recording it it seemed like it may have been a bit awkward to invite her into my closet so we recorded um, in my basement and and um, I gave my dog a bone before recording so that I could try to occupy her and so there are times where you may hear um, things in the background, where um, you know my dog is chewing a bone or something like that. Um, but I hope that that little ambiance kind of make maybe it makes you feel like you're there on the couch with us. So, um, Alessandra and I want to keep things real and to show you, you know what life is really like in general you know with two aspiring yogis who are trying to you know keep lots of things lots of plates spinning including our meditation practices our family life and this podcast and um so you know that's that's what it was like when we were recording the dog was there chewing her bone and so um I hope you enjoy this episode with Kelly, and it's actually in two parts, so we will release the second part next week, and um, without further ado,
1: please enjoy. Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Cara and Alessandra. Hello, everyone. We're glad to have you join on the podcast. Today we are connecting with Kelly Curry. She is a yoga teacher and massage therapist and of course much much more than that, which we will hear about very soon. I don't know much about her, but Kara you know much more. All I can see now is Kelly and Kara on the screen in Kara's basement. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, so thank you, Kelly, for being here. Thank you. Um, Kelly and I teach in the same yoga studio. Um, If you go back a few episodes to when we were interviewing Lily Kessler, that uh, we both teach at her yoga studio, Blooming Life Yoga, Mm -hmm. in Zionsville, Indiana. And um, we were teaching back-to-back for a while. So she was doing her yin yoga class right after my meditation class. And, um, I've just gotten to learn a little bit about her and her journey and she's gone through a wonderful transformation recently or or is in, in progress really that when, when we were talking about it, I thought, oh my goodness, we would be so honored to hear about this on our podcast. So, um, she is just a, a light and it'll be really great to be able to share her with everybody.
1: So do you want to start, Kelly, by giving us a little bit of, we always find it interesting to hear how people found yoga or how yoga and meditation found them, rather. It's usually that way around.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's just amazing, you know, part of this journey um, to me both of you, um, in such a sort of like haphazard way, I suppose, (laughs) you know, through working together. Um, but yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you, go back a little bit further. Um, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and then when I was three, I grew up in Carmel, Indiana um and my environment was pretty chaotic um my parents uh essentially they were in a forced marriage which seems unbelievable especially looking back at it from this day and age mm-hmm. um so it was really hard for me to understand but regardless that's the experience that they've both conveyed so uh needless to say they did not get along mm-hmm. <laughs> at all mm-hmm. And neither of them were uh religious or even spiritual so um, so at a very young age, I was always interested in uh what would you call it, like the supernatural or in God Mm -hmm. or in spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't in an environment that was really conducive to that, I um, began to seek it out. You were a seeker. I was a seeker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so eventually we got to a point where... I think like around 14, I started reading existential books and then um, it led into like Taoism and I've literally like studied every single religion and philosophy that you could think of <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and at the same time have done a lot of uh, inner work and now I'm getting ready to go back to school or I'm in school to uh, become a social worker.
1: So, when you talk about inner work, was that something you started with around 14, teenager, or how, how would you say that started? I know this happens in different steps, but is there like a moment where you felt like yoga came more into life or inner yes, work?
2: Yes, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so. Basically, like my early life was pretty turbulent and then I you know, I was out in California. I worked for Miramax Films, which everyone kind of knows about that now. Um and then mm-hmm. I came back to Indianapolis to start a family. I was with my first husband. And um right after the kids were born and still fairly young, I think 3 and 6, we decided to get a divorce and things were pretty again turbulent. I mean, Really turbulent, to be honest. And um, I was just like, I have so much stress and anxiety. I'm like, I have to figure out something to do. And I had already made a whole bunch of horrible decisions for myself. So um, I had started doing inner work, but I really needed something else to kind of help center me. And that is when I was like, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do this yin yoga class. I had no idea what it was, <laughs> none. <laughs> And I remember getting into like the first pose, like saddle pose and just being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die (laughs) because, you know, I just wasn't used to it. And because the pose was so difficult at the time for me, I had to really stop my mind chatter and like focus and uh, breathe and everything stopped. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't have any of this mind shatter anymore. And so it was like, ah, peace. And so that's what sort of began my yoga journey. So how Mm -hmm. long ago was that?
1: Seven years ago.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: It was actually a similar thing to me. I don't think I told you, Car, either. But I would say yin yoga was kind of the portal that brought me to meditation. I was already doing a lot of hatha yoga or shtanga yoga but I was also in a bit of turbulent time of life and um then I found jean yoga and it was like oh wow <laughs> what is this and as you said like because you're for those who doesn't know or maybe you can explain what Yin yoga is um do you want to explain to the listeners briefly
2: yeah so Yen yoga it works with the myofascial meridians in the body um that like, <laughs> basically connective tissue. Um, and uh, if you don't, okay, let me go back, because it's kind of hard to describe if you aren't, a, an, an ad, you know, know a lot of anatomy. So if you, uh, but everyone knows, like, you have a calf muscle and you have a thigh muscle. But if you leave all of the connective tissue, um, and you don't cut them and segment them and you leave them you have these long like basically strips of what they call muscle and fascia um and they are like as long as the body like you have one it's called the superficial back line is basically it starts at the base of the foot goes all the way up through the calf, through the thigh, through the buttocks, up through the, um, the muscles along the spine, up through the neck, and attaches to the front of your eyebrows. Mm. Yeah. Um, in Chinese traditional medicine, they call this like the kidney and urinary bladder meridian. Okay. So, um, if you aren't used to those terms, I mean, this might be really kind of have a difficulty, or um, but any uh, anyway, you um, you stretch in a way that works with these plastic, uh, slow-moving tissues.: Okay yeah so you come to your appropriate edge. it's a long duration, and it's slow. it's well you yeah, yeah. And you're sitting in your pose for like three to five minutes mm.
1: and I think this is for me it was the shift of like really stopping like that, and especially when you're going through a difficult time it was it was wow, <laughs> but at the same time, it was a challenge um but that really ignited something within me. So I, I really find yin yoga, do you do it, Kara?
0: You know, it's amazing. I
1: have never done yin
0: yoga and we were talking about that the last time I saw you because I really do need to take a class. I do a lot of hatha yoga or I've gotten mm-hmm. more into it lately. I've gone in a lot of peaks and valleys of when I do traditional yoga, but I've never experienced yin. So, mm-hmm. and you've also told me it's, it's very like, it's kind of
2: meditation in motion, right? Yeah, so you're like in a pose for like three minutes, mm. up to five minutes, and so you have that whole time to just like sit and think into
1: nothing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think if you're not ready to start meditating, Yin Yoga is a great step to kind of step into that more stillness and facing your own thoughts
2: (laughs) oh yeah absolutely because some of the poses are so difficult it really forces you to um look at or look into your body
1: and now I'm curious to hear about what happened to you this summer Cara has just told me but I don't really know much about it
0: (laughs) well that's that's the segue I was gonna do as well so if you're I know you have a story to tell so please just tell it. If, if it's the, if the <laughs> time is right, unless you need more Yeah, no, that's background good. Info.
2: So there are going to be a couple of concepts that I sort of define first. Because if we just go into the story in and of itself, it won't make sense. We definitely need a framework or mm-hmm. working for, um, definitions to be able to, you know, relate to this experience. Um, an awakening in and of itself is sort of like describing the color of oxygen. So again, we're gonna we're gonna des- define some concepts. The first one, just for the ter- for the use of this podcast, um, we're gonna use the term creator, um, and I don't mean that in any sort of dogmatic way. I mean you can use source, God, um, Jesus. It could be whatever you want it to be. It could be Shiva. Um, but so, but for me, we're going to just use the word creator.
0: That's a, that's a good word. We, we go, come back to this a lot in our podcast where we're like touching on the spiritual and, you know, that looks a different way for different people. And we don't yeah. ever want to, anybody to feel boxed in because also with meditation, there are a lot of people coming to it who don't have any interest really in, you know, in the divine or, or whatever. So it can even just feel like your own higher self or yes. some, that part of you beyond yourself, that's eternal. And so there are lots of ways to frame it, but that's a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. I love that. The creator.
2: Yes. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, always take it from your, you're going to take it from your point of reference or experience. So, um, so there's that. And then also, um, when we're talking about these different experiences, um, eventually it'll be in through the you know the framework of understanding. Um, we'll talk a little bit about like you know New Age, and we'll talk a little bit in the framework of like uh, Jew- Jewish mysticism or Kabbalah, um, and 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 then it'll begin to make more sense.
1: Okay. Oh. <laughs> All
2: right. Okay, so basically um, during the period of my life when it, everything was sort of a struggle, okay, and of, often even like I was saying from the the earliest points of my life, it was definitely a struggle. Um, it was really much an environment of walking on eggshells. And now I can look back and um, you can begin to understand that basically, or at least uh, in the framework of um, Jewish mysticism, you begin to understand that everything that happens is for your highest good. So there really isn't anything that is bad or good, really, Um, in and of itself. Everything is just propelling you to evolve.
0: Okay. Hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, so as I entered into the realm of, you know, therapy and doing inner work, I understood like, like there are different sorts of things and we all have this. Okay. So let's define like the human experience. So in and of ourselves, our natural human nature is egoic or egoicism. And I'm not talking that we're all like little mini narcissists, but we, (laughs) (laughs) in one way we are. Uh, Um, You know, from the time that we're born, we like to receive. I mean, we need food. We need all of like our basic needs met. So, so. You know, we're used to people providing for us. And then as we develop, we go through, like, a normal force of development. But say, like, at an early age, if you have, like, a lot of, you know, animosity between your parents, a lot of yelling, a lot of, you know, or your parents are divorced, you might not get the a normal uh, – you might you might have what they call, like, attachment theory. Uh, well, we're going into – we're going into attachment theory, okay. um, so you might, as a human, you might not be able to attach or become relational in the same way because you don't, ha- you didn't get that from your parents. Does that make sense?
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah, I read about this too.
0: Okay,
2: so it's it's more
0: around how you end up relating to other people because of how your family, because of your experience within your family.
2: Yes. Is that kind of yeah, idea. So okay. so basically from a really early age because it was like a tumultuous environment. So I was always anxious because I never really knew like what was going to happen next. Um and they eventually divorced when I was eight, but then my mom was a single parent. She was a nurse and You know, so she wasn't at home. So my, um, attachment was always sort of like an anxious, you know, um, more of, uh, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen next. And so what that happens or what that in turns into is like codependency. So, Um, Right around the time that my husband and I got divorced, I began to enter into codependent recovery. And at the same time, I was going through yin yoga and, um, you know, kind of diving into this deeper work. And so going back to the beginning, so everybody has an ego, but say like someone with attachment issues, um, they're going to have a stronger case in point ego. Okay, so everybody goes through this natural layer of development. Um, in the beginning you know uh, it's like basic like food sex those kinds of things and then you get sort of tired of that right and you start seeking something else so then you begin to seek um, wealth you know and a lot of people that's you know like in college and they're always like focused about wealth and then you get to a point where it's like okay that doesn't really satisfy you anymore so um you begin to seek power, and then that doesn't satisfy you anymore. You begin to seek knowledge, and you can go through these phases pretty fast. But all of these phases are still based in the construct of the ego. Mm-hmm. Um, then you kind of you get to a point in your life, and um, in Jewish mysticism, they call this like the path of suffering, essentially. Where um, you you you've tried all of these different things and you really nothing is making sense. You are really unsatisfied with your life. You just realize like you can't um, live in this particular way anymore. So uh, you begin to have this desire for something more, something higher. So um, so. In essence, that journey, or uh, because I started so young with sort of having a turbulent family, mm-hmm. um, that journey to become a seeker started, or that journey for knowledge began at a really early age, like we said, 14. So I'm kind of just trying to bring it mm-hmm. full so- circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then I continued on this path of suffering. And if you uh, study, like say, uh, Kabbalah or Kabbalism, Kabbalah. I can't say the word.
0: <laughs> Kabbalah, right? I don't know if Kabbalism.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you start if you study Jewish mysticism, it begins to make sense, and it, it really what it is. It's like when you are in these suffering states. It's really it's like the Creator is using these states to kind of get you to the edge of yourself to the point where you're sort of like surrendering. Um, and you get to, um, have a desire begins to develop. So you begin to, um, look, uh, supernaturally for something more you want to, uh, because nothing else like in this physical plane is, um, quenching your thirst.
1: Hmm. Yes. Makes sense and is very relatable.
0: <laughs> I think there's a lot of of yogic overlap in in what you're saying. I hear a lot of yogic yeah, tradition definitely. and Buddhism as well. You know, Buddha's, You know, I think suffering is like the the center of Buddhism. Life is suffering, and mm-hmm. um, you know, in yogic philosophy, we call a lot of. I think it relates a lot to karma, as far as. Um, You know, I think in in traditional Western approach to karma is like, um, you know, punishment, but that's not actually what karma is. It's really the neutralization of action, you know, so whatever we're putting out comes back and everything needs to be neutralized. And um, so there in that, when you were talking about how suffering or everything that we do leads us, it's just leading us. So any suffering that we we experience is leading us to a higher good. In the same sense of karma, you may be going through something that's really, really hard, but you have to go through it in order to enter the next phase or to yes. neutralize past actions and so forth. So I think there's a lot of tradition, you know, it, it's these are really universal concepts, it's really I, which I love. I love when you know things like that all start to come together and it's like Mm -hmm. you see it from so many different places
1: yeah and also you said something about it's neither good it's neither bad which is something Paramahansa Yogananda whose teachings me and Kara have been studying he always said that the situation is neutral it's your reaction to it that makes it good or bad and I mean with so many things it's like that as you said I can also look back at things in my life when I was like, a, especially parenting, I see it so clearly. You know, sometimes when I try to take something away from Iris, my daughter, because it's can harm her, and she screams, it's like, well, dear dear little one, I'm doing this out of love. <laughs> Even though you don't believe it, I do it because I love you and I don't want to see you hurt. You know, and I... Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm like with universe or <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the creator. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I'm like. I get it now. <laughs> I'll I'll listen better next time, <laughs> or I'll I'll not cry as much, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> I know you want to lead me to a good place now, so.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you just get to this point where it's like, okay. Uh, you ha- you just you want more and uh, eventually even though like my life at that point like I said before my awakening experience I was already sort of transforming I just didn't know it and I didn't have a framework I mean I knew it in terms of like I had been going to therapy I'd been going to yoga and now I was getting remarried and I have two extra stepkids who are daughters and I have my two girls and um, so. You know, life was definitely, like, looking up, and, um, and I was moving ahead, but there was something more that was going to be happening that was going to, like, propel me into this next phase.
0: And so tell us, tell us about this experience. So is this leading up to what happened? Was it in June?
2: Yeah, it was the end of April,
0: Oh, actually. the end of April. Okay, so talk us through this this awakening. Okay, so that finishes part one, and um, I hope you enjoyed the build-up to the awakening experience. We'll go more into depth where she'll really dive into um, what the experience has been for her next week, Um, so please look for that, and please help us build this podcast. There are things that you can do which really help us like writing a review or uh, rating or downloading the episode, subscribing. If you can share it, if you have people in your life who you think would enjoy this podcast, um, just sharing it with them really helps or sharing on social media or whatever you feel inspired to do. All those things obviously are free Um, but they help us to grow. So we would be so grateful for your help in that regard. And, um, we wish you all the best and we look forward to the next meditation conversation.